Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Series 2 of The Daniel Morgan Murder. I'm Peter Jukes. I'm Devia Amir. And we'll be exploring new revelations from the book by Alistair and me and more of the story which no one thought could be told. The way that the police interacted and may, may still interact with the media is not good for the public interest. When I offered to help, it was partly public spirit but also there was an element, if I'm honest, of curiosity to try and find out and put to rest what happened to me following the Adams investigation. When you see a set of curtains, look behind the curtains. That was Ian Hurst and Derek Haslam, a former Army intelligence officer and an undercover informant. Two highly sensitive assets, both targeted by News of the World and Southern Investigations during their program of computer hacking 10 years ago. Untold, the Daniel Morgan murder. Welcome back. You may or may not be aware of the recent admission in open court by News UK that News of the World used computer hacking to target a former Army intelligence officer, Ian Hurst, in alliance with personnel from Southern Investigations. From our research for the book, Untold the Daniel Morgan Murder, we discovered that Southern Investigations had been involved in computer hacking as far back as 1990 on behalf of Alex Marinchak at News of the World. Multiple witnesses talk of a secret ledger of payments to Computer John, a hacker who was finally arrested and charged for computer misuse years later. But our story now takes us forward 15 years, where faxes reveal that Marinchak was receiving hacked emails from Southern Investigations in 2006. This second kind of hacking, beyond the phone hacking rife in this era, might not seem that shocking by now. But what is still very disturbing is, firstly, that the targets were some of the most sensitive and precarious people on witness protection, and secondly that, Though the police knew of News of the World's computer hacking in 2006, they did nothing about it and did not tell the victims until many years later. Hi, I'm Ian Hurst. 
I am a former soldier and a victim of the computer hacking of uh, News International. Peter interviewed Ian Hurst a week before his victory in court to discover how and when he found out his computer security had been compromised. Well, one the Thursday before Christmas uh, 2010, I, I received a phone call from the BBC. It was an interesting phone call and uh, they asked if they could come up the same day to interview me or speak to me. And uh, I asked them, you know, what was the subject? And they were reluctant to actually discuss it over the phone, which again raised some concerns for me. So being a naturally cautious person, I um, arranged for the following day for them to come. And I arranged for my own surveillance team to pick them up at Euston and video them. We also had coverage in the, in the venue for the meeting. To my great surprise, they told me that uh, they believed that I'd been, my computer had been hacked and uh, that I knew the person that had done it. I'd worked with him previously. You didn't need to be Einstein to work out who it was. And uh, I quickly worked that one out and uh, they confirmed that. But they really, at that stage, weren't prepared to give me very much more. Which clearly then, uh, you know, to a person uh, like myself, it instills those, um, uh, the tradecraft which is inbred in you. Ian worked in army intelligence in the 80s, during the height of the troubles in Northern Ireland, and was part of the FRU, the Force Research Unit, a controversial squad tasked with infiltrating and undermining both the provisional IRA and other paramilitary groups. The man hired by Southern Investigations and News of the World to hack Ian's emails was none other than a former FRU colleague, Philip Campbell-Smith. I did two tours, so in total around about seven years in the FRU, over, split over two periods. So I consider myself fairly experienced in the heart of UMINT. Humint or human intelligence mainly involved the handling of informants and double agents. One of the most notorious double agents of this era was the RA's chief internal enforcer, Fred Scappatici, who, though working for British intelligence himself, was rooting out, punishing and sometimes killing informants and double agents in the Republican paramilitary group. Once the RA and other paramilitaries had laid down their arms after the Good Friday Agreement, Hearst co-authored a book under the pen name Martin Ingram explaining how Scapatici's cover had been maintained even at the expense of other people's lives. My major problem that I had with not specifically Mr Scapatici personally, but the way that Mr Scapatici was deployed in that one of the people that I was very involved with who Mr. Scappatici was involved in his demise, it could have been dealt with in a completely different way. It led to the death, the murder, of a guy called Frank Hegarty. And what I needed to do was to, was to expose the system in the way that it manipulated and frankly destroyed life, an individual. That needn't have happened the way it did. And the only way of doing that was to shine a light on the murky world, which was dealing with human intelligence within a terrorist organisation. Hearst's revelations about Scapatici's double role caused something of a furor. He 
he attracted the attention of Sir John Stevens, who was investigating British military collusion with paramilitary groups in Northern Ireland at the time. Stevens, who went on to become Met Commissioner, the most senior police officer in the UK, was also signing the surveillance warrants for the third Daniel Morgan murder investigation during this period. In 1999, I'm arrested under the Official Secrets Act and a slight, I suppose, um, unusual circumstance in the sense that uh, I was arrested by the Special Branch, uh, which worked for Sir John. Another um, of his organisations, i.e. the Stevens team, also wanted to speak to me. So once the, the no-comment interview was given and I walk out of the police station, immediately the Stevens team wants us to meet with me. Ultimately, uh, that's my first interaction with Sir John's uh, team. But how did Ian, who was in contact with so many former agents and informants, feel about discovering his computer being hacked five years after the event? Yeah, I, I, I suppose it was a mixture of emotions. And I've got to be honest, you know, I, I, I was embarrassed. The fact that somebody had been able to obtain it, what, five years previously. And I was totally ignorant to the fact but there was material on there and we did I did exchange on a daily basis. We exchanged communications with, let's call, sensitive people. And, you know, my initial reaction was one to make sure that those people, to the best of my ability, were protected. For example, two of those people were and are still today in police safe houses. You know, they're under protective custody. And the newspaper effectively have compromised those so-called secure communications. As an experienced intelligence officer, Ian Hurst was not going to let this security breach go unchallenged. And so he started his own investigation, which would soon shed light on the Daniel Morgan murder too. What happened is, when Panorama come to me with an obviously incomplete picture, I am the type of person that wants a complete picture. Therefore, I'm faced with a dilemma. Journalists are not, they're not intelligence officers. They don't have the right contacts. They don't have the skill sets. I quickly identified where I needed to go and I identified that the Serious Organised Crime Agency had information which was of interest to me. So I wrote to the director. I invited him to provide me with information. He declined and the MPS were carrying out what's called a scoping exercise. And at that stage, very, very early on, so we're looking now the midpoint of 2011, I was faced with a situation where I understood that the game was on, but that I really want to get involved with the game. Well, the, the, the game was very complicated in this sense, and I, I quickly became aware that the politics involved, the police were clearly involved, the police had knowledge. The police clearly were protecting people, whether it's from a self-interest point of view or not. Did I really want to get involved? Did I really want to go down that route? I've had quite a bit of dealings with the police and the security services. Did I really want to get involved again? And then I said, fuck it. Let's have a go. You know, it's, you know the instinct came back. Uh, so then I pulled in a few favours. And I identified that Soka had possession of computers since 2009, which clearly contained the hacking of my computers. Soka was the Serious Organised Crime Agency, Britain's FBI, now renamed the NCA, the National Crime Agency. 
the home affairs period uh, where they did their inquiry, where the police admitted in a joint statement with Soka that the first time that they knew what was on the computers that they had custody from 2009 was when I told them what was on those computers. Amazingly, I must be blessed with a sixth sense. So, you know, I'm Mystic Meg is, you know, not even in my league, but that would have been pushing the boat out a little bit too far. I knew exactly what the game was at that stage. Ian discovered he'd been targeted by eBlaster software, a Trojan which logged keystrokes of infected computers and effectively revealed passwords for emails and other accounts. The licensing of the software suggested many other victims. We're talking way beyond 100 people and we know, I mean, I'm going to slightly come fast forward now, mm -hmm. but I, I now know that he had, the hacker in this particular case, had well in excess of 80 licenses for uh, the Trojan over that period for the e-blasters, which as you can imagine, for one deployment, there would be many, many victims either directly affected or consequentially. He didn't realise it at the time, but Ian would soon discover that the commissioning of the computer hacking led back to sudden investigations. And not just that. One of the victims turned out to be an important secret weapon in the Daniel Morgan murder inquiries. None other than former detective and now undercover informant Derek Haslam. I knew nothing of Southern investigations other than what the BBC had told me. Um, but again, I'm not going to rely upon what the BBC tell me. I'm not going to rely upon what any person tells me. It's my job to find out what the truth is. Therefore, it was incumbent upon me that I had to understand what I was dealing with. Um, hence the reason why I had to research the background of the principal people that were involved. I mean, the Daniel Morgan murder was a aspect which clearly was fundamental to certain people involved in, in the hacking. And there was one aspect which, after many months of, um, of research, which was to do with the way that Mr Haslam was compromised, because that fundamentally was by the same method that I was compromised with. So that clearly the DNA were, were similar and... The end result was exactly the same in the, in the sense that they, they managed to collect information which they found of value. We also spoke to Derek again about the email hacking of his laptop by the same eBlaster software. It turns out he had warned his handlers years before about Southern Investigation's ability to compromise informants and was uneasy about filing his intelligence reports on floppy disks. I passed on and told them that they were both and they'd infiltrated and could break into the witness protection programme, that they could, any financial details, any hospital records, anything like that, any information was sellable, they could get hold through, through their connections. Nothing happened. So all I could presume was, I thought, with the best intentions, a lot of the stuff I've given them, they won't be acted upon for fear that it might bring me to notice or identify me, but in all honesty, some of the stuff, it wouldn't have, yet it still wasn't acted upon. So then you think, well, if you're most, if you're generous, you think, well, perhaps they didn't have the manpower to deal with that. But some of the stuff was stuff that should have been dealt with, as far as I'm concerned. I think someone up there was built in charge, was infiltrated that intelligence, 
And if there's anything embarrassing or might lead to links with other things, it was being sidelined. Derek filed his top-secret intelligence reports under the alias of Joe Poulton, but claims that in 2006, his computer was targeted by another former police officer turned private detective, Alec Layton. Get near Christmas, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not, at that time, I wasn't that technologically aware of computers that were new to me. But suddenly I found my email account. I'd written insulting letters to a lot of the board of Pure Energy, and it's because they'd hacked my email account and sent these things out. So I told my lot, I said, well, look, is it possible to clone an email account? And I thought, they said, well, possibly. I said, well, I think my email account's been hacked. Layton's telling me. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's a spy in the camp, blah, blah, blah. Do we know a Joe Poulton? So I thought, oh, well. So I said, there's been any bells in me. I then went off to India on holiday for two or three weeks. And uh, during that time, I started getting moody phone calls from Leighton, texts, and things like that. Well, alluding to me as Joe Poulton. And I told my lot, so I rang them. I get a message back. You'll be met at Gatwick. Make sure you're right. Go home Monday morning. Drive to Peterborough Station where you'd be given directions. Uh, so I was given, went to Peterborough Station, parked up, given directions to get on a train, do this, do that, the station, cover my tracks, trade craft, shit. Then got on the train, moved about on the train, then got out at York, did some more shopping, 
uh, and then was directed to this address, this hotel, quite a way away, yeah, in York. And uh, they, I was produced, they said the team was there, and they produced, said, do you recognise this document? So it was one of the intelligence reports that I gave, because I'd been asked then to start supplying intelligence reports on floppy disks, as opposed to verbally showing or giving them the written sheet for them to take the notes off and then to hand back to me to burn. It was easier for us if you could give it us on a floppy disk uh, for us to input it. And I said, but I've already told you early on when I first started that they boast that they can access any computer system and hack it and get information. I said, is that wise? Oh, no, it'll be all right, don't worry. As long as you don't save anything, just run it off on a floppy disk. So there I was, they presented me with a document, which was one of my intelligence reports, and they said, is this your one? I said, well, yeah, that's what I've supplied you on floppy disk. Derek Haslam's nine-year secret undercover role in Southern Investigations was now over. His targets knew who Joe Poulton really was, but this wasn't the end of the matter. His identity was also made public after a journalist who'd known the personnel at Southern Investigations for nearly 20 years, Sylvia Jones, wrote to the police about Haslam's real identity. Once again, two decades on from the Taffy Holmes suicide and the threats against his life, Derek Haslam was in danger for trying to discover the truth. So the whole series of emotions, really. One, you worry, because it's not, if you're alone, if you're on your own, it's only you you've got to look after. Someone's going to come and have a go at you. It's just you. When you've got a family and a wife, I had inadequate protection at my home. They'd left me in the lurch. So my first thoughts are, these are revengeful people. None of those are going to let this go because they've been made to look stupid. The job's attitude seems to me was that when the wheel comes off, they take eight paces backwards. All they could offer me, we put you in the witness protection scheme, which was insulting because the witness protection scheme, I'd already told them, was being infiltrated by the very people who would then be coming after me. I think the basic reason they wanted me in the witness protection scheme is because it's not widely known, but once you sign up to that, you also sign away some of your legal privileges. So yeah, so my, my, my feelings were, I'm very much on my own again, I felt, a bit of a shit because I'd let my wife down because when I told her I was going to do this, she said, remember what happened last time, are you sure? I said, no, I've been given every assurance this time, it will be all right. All I asked for them, I said, all I need to do, if you, I don't want to go into witness protection. I said, I've got a young family. I said, why should I, through no fault of my own, completely give up on my life, what, friends, contacts, meeting the children, not meet any of my children for a year, and then supervised meetings. Because if you want to track something down, you track them down through the children. So I said, virtually my whole my wife's life would change completely. I said, what effect did that have on our relationship? I don't know. I said, if I was her, I'd be quite begrudging towards me, thinking, you've brought this all on us. So I said, all I would ask, I said, I don't think I'd be unreasonable. I said, it's for me to be relocated and you meet those expenses of me being relocated. I'll move myself and I'll take care of my security. I said, because 
quite honestly, I said I wouldn't trust you anyway to do it. Nothing. Didn't want to know. So the question Dee asked Derek was, after twice taking great risks to expose corruption and twice getting burned, was the final nine-year undercover role worth it? Whether it was worth it, my participation, I suppose in one respect at least I know that I did assist in one member of Southern Investigations eventually going to prison for perverting the course of justice. A lot of other information uh, I would like to think would have been acted upon. Uh, maybe was or wasn't. I don't. I think a lot of it what deliberately wasn't. Uh, so and it was a bit of an adventure at the time. Uh, but overall, if I was in the same situation again, the answer, and someone asked me, the answer would be no. You know, I'm, I'm, I was, at that time when I took that on, I was still, I still thought my mind was still pleased. So this thing that, you know, I joined the police, not to put the world to rights, but if I came across dishonesty and criminality to do something about it. So that was still in me. So when I offered to help, uh, it was partly that, it was public spirit. Also, there was an element, if I'm honest, of curiosity to try and find out and put to rest what happened to me for in the Adams investigation. Back to Ian Hurst and his investigations after the Panorama revelations in 2011. Why did he think the police had failed to inform him or the other dozens of victims that his computer had been hacked and witness protection breached? Why wasn't news the world stopped and Southern investigations prosecuted? There were people within Special Branch who were leaking information. There's one particular invoice for £850, which was for the Scappatici phone records. Now, you know, ultimately I through my own investigations, I identified the leaks, the special branch officers, everybody involved in that chain. And I, I, you know, I quickly became aware that you know, the police knew full well who had been leaking information, but it was quietly and swept under a carpet, let me put it that way. And even to this day, you know, ultimately what News of the World did was effectively being shielded and protected by those people who um, were in a position of authority. So I was less concerned with Southern Investigations, in my case, because I felt I had a handle on that. What was of more interest to me was the knowledge of the state, the police principally, and the security services. That was of interest to me because I needed to identify what their motivation was because I quickly identified that they contemporaneously had knowledge of the hack. They had not hack being planned, they had the actual hack being deployed, they knew in lifetime that it was being deployed and they took a conscious decision to, in exactly the same way that they took the conscious decision in regards to Mr Haslam, that they would allow the hackers to carry on their way. And what happens there is that allows those crimes to be perpetuated over a further period. So there was at least two to three years where you may have had literally tens of dozens of victims which needn't have taken place because if I'd have got a tap on the door in 2007, you can be assured I would have stretched their necks. It's worth recalling here that, in the five-year interval between the hacking of Hearst and his discovery of it, 
various police officers involved in the final Daniel Morgan murder investigation and the Old Bailey trial believe their computers were also hacked. The, the, the real disappointment is I can understand from a personal point of view, you know, I am not flavour of the month. And I can understand that. But I've got kids. I, um, I also was communicating with people who also were in there, in the state's um, custody. Their security and welfare was absolutely, they had a duty of care to them. And that information, as Mr Smith admitted on, um, on Panorama, that he surveilled all, all emails in one particular one, which is one individual where, and he still remains um, number two on, on the IRA's hit list. Um, so, you know, from a selfish point of view, I can deal with that. But the people who were consequentially dealt with, I felt that that needed a merited a closer investigation, which is what I did. And it took three years. It took till October 2014 when in a meeting with the Metropolitan Police and their legal department and a very senior police officer I've got a great deal of respect and time for, uh, for the very first time they admitted their knowledge. That was quite a cathartic moment. Because it did remove a little bit of the um, of the desire. Because there's no revenge. I have no you know no desire for for revenge on any individual. Uh, but I did I do I did need to know exactly who knew what, where, when, and how. And the difficulty is when people lie, when organisations lie systemically, you have to then wonder, you know, who is actually running this game, because it affects other aspects of whether you can trust. I mean, at that stage, there was an ongoing, Chuleta was an ongoing uh, investigation into, into the hacking. But they knew full well that that hacking in 2006, when they had knowledge, they knew they had 12 months, that the, the law as it stood at that time for the Misuse of the Computer Act allowed only a 12-month window. So if they didn't take action within 12 months, they knew full well it was going to be time-barred. So what they... In reality, let's be honest, what they did is they instituted Operation Calmac on Chuleta in 2011 and they spent the best part of £4 million on a fuck-around. I told them it was a fuck-around. I said to listen, just save the money, put it into the Police Benevolent Fund. Don't waste your time. Just get on with it. Just bring it to a conclusion. I know you're not going to do anybody. Just bring it to a conclusion. And it took years. The CPS messed around, they were buying time, they were degrading the ability of others to shine light, a light onto areas that they didn't want to be shone into. If you re recollect when I was on Leveson, I said to Leveson, I offered to play or provide him with information upon criminal activity by very senior police officers. And he closed me down very quickly by saying, no, 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 that's for part two, mistress, that's for part two. And he knew full well, as I knew well then. You know, we smile, we exchange a smile, wry smile between each other, because we knew full well part two hadn't got a fucking cat and house chance of ever taking place. And even now, even with the, the problems that Theresa May has, you know, you've still only got maybe one chance in ten that we would ever get Leveson, because believe you and me, it would be a Billy Smart circus if they did. Because Leveson 
would not be able to do what he did in Leveson 1, which is issue public immunity certificates. Because that game now, we understand the rules and we will not play by those rules anymore. Part 2 of the Leveson inquiry, which Prime Minister David Cameron promised would take place after hacking-related trials were over, is still on hold, five years after Part 1. As Ian indicates, this reluctance to look deeper at the connections between the police and the press indicates something very dark and troubling about the state of Britain today. I'm absolutely convinced they're not protecting Southern investigations. It is a much larger systemic corruption, which is the relationship between newspapers, the police, senior police officers on a personal level, and self-interest. See, corruption is currency. And the higher you get up that chain, the bigger the note, and the better value. And, and that same level interacts at a different level within news organisations. The way that the police interacted and may, may still interact with the media is not good for the public interest. And phone hacking just happened to be that catalyst which shone that, that light on that darker world. Next week, in the final episode of this series of Untold, we'll catch up with Alistair and Kirstine and explore the ongoing legal battles, criminal investigations and public inquiries that still beset this, the most investigated murder in British history. Episode 9 was produced by Peter Jukes and Devi Amir. Music by Shemaili Mir. A Flameflower Duende production. Het is Sale bij Iwish. Daarom nu de complete collectie merkmonturen van 2017 helemaal gratis. Kies uit topmerken zoals Bos en Michael Kors en u betaalt alleen de glazen. Iwish Opticiens. Meer oog voor jou. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 